I have a interesting word for you today. Um, I'm like, Lord, when are you going to have me preach something that I actually want to preach? It's like, it never happens that way. It's like, I want to preach on, you know, joy or prosperity or something happy. But this is happy because this is a lot of people's situations and maybe even my current situation. I got the title in the shower, which is kind of weird, but that's how I got it. Um, and I actually have a point here to share the title, because last time I was up here, I didn't actually share the title. So the title is Destination Wilderness. It's like, whoa. It's like, I don't want to preach on the wilderness. I don't want to preach on the Israelites. Man, they just, every time I read, it's like, man, I would never do that. Really? How many times do you do the same thing over and over and over and over and over and over and over again and uh, constantly needing to be picked up by the grace of God? Amen? So this is exactly the word that we need to hear today, and I believe it's going to be powerful. So why don't we uh, turn in our Bibles to Matthew chapter 3. And uh, we're going to start with Jesus because he's the great example And we're going to see how he handled it, how he handled the wilderness, because he handled it the best, amen? And I'm going to be reading this out of the New Living Translation, Um, Matthew chapter 3 and verse 13. We're going to read for a little bit here. So it says, Then Jesus went from Galilee to the Jordan River to be baptized by John. But John tried to talk him out of it. That's kind of weird. I'm the one who needs to be baptized by you, he said. So why are you coming to me? But Jesus said, it should be done, for we must carry out all that God requires. So John agreed and baptized him. And after his baptism, as Jesus came out of the water, the heavens were opened, and he saw the Spirit of God descending on him like a dove. And the voice said from heaven, this is my dearly loved son who brings me great joy. I mean, no, we want to hear God say that to us, right? And he is saying that over us. We just have to choose to believe it. Amen? And then let's go into uh, chapter 4. It says, Then Jesus was led by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted there by the devil, the devil for 40 days and 40 nights. And he fasted, and he became very hungry. How many of us have ever gotten a word? ever gotten a prophecy, ever gotten a God-given desire, and it's like immediately after we get that, it's like, wow, test after test. It's like trial after trial, doubt after doubt. It's like, what is the deal here, Lord? It happened to me um, at the last uh, youth camp we had that I was a youth um, five years ago. They went up and they had a... um, an altar call for anybody who felt like they were called to the ministry. So I was like, oh, I th- you know, I think that's me. So I go up there. You know, he's, he's praying for people, laying hands, saying whatever, you know, over them that he felt like the Lord was telling him to say. And then he got to me, and uh, I don't remember exactly everything he said, but what I do remember is he said, you will preach to nations, and whole nations will be saved through you in one day. I said, me? I don't even like to get up and talk to people. I'm like, this is a stretch for me right here. It's like, 
And I travel across the ocean? Maybe. How about let's start right here in Grand Junction, right? But I'm thinking to myself, what? But, you know, that's the calling on each and every one of our lives is something impossible, something we can't comprehend, something that we think we can't do. That's the call of God on our lives. Each and every one of us has a call. You have a call. And guess what? It may not be the ministry. If there's one concept, if there's one idea that we need to just blast out, is that is if you're not called into the ministry, you're not called by God. That is far from the truth. Far from the truth. God needs businessmen and women. God needs realtors. God needs... You know, in the season, Taco Bell workers, which I don't believe anybody's called here to work at Taco Bell full-time, but uh, contractors, landscapers, if that's what you're called to do, then that's the most anointed you're ever going to be in life is doing what you're called to do. And in that field and wherever you're at, that's where your um, missionary ground is. I, I think sometimes we think... Uh, Oh, it's so hard to talk to my coworkers about church, about Jesus. Well, is that where you're called to be? Is where you're at right now? You know, it's like maybe that's why it's hard because maybe you're not where you're supposed to be. But how many of you know after today I think we'll all analyze what we're doing and uh, go from there and seek God because God constantly wants to be in our daily lives, every aspect, every day, every moment. He wants us to know what his will for us is. Amen? Amen? So the two main purposes of the wilderness is to develop the character needed to fulfill your call. I'll say that again. To develop the character needed to fulfill your call. I mean, no character is important. And number two is to develop your dependence on God. Huh? How many know in the wilderness, you sometimes feel like God's nowhere near? Right? Jesus was out there in the wilderness. Now, I, I looked up wilderness as I was sitting over there. It says, an uncultivated, uninhabited, and inhospitable region. That sounds terrible. <laughs> wow. I'm like, poor Jesus, didn't get no food? I guess he drank water because he said he fasted and became hungry. It doesn't say anything about thirsty because I, I think you need water to survive that long without food. So I think they said you can only go about three days without having any water. The thing about this, not only did he not have In-N-Out Burger or Chick-fil-A, all right? He had nothing. And he was out there in an inhospitable region. Like, where did he sleep? I asked myself these questions. Like, where did he sleep? On a rock? Under a tree? You know, it's like, but what was he doing out there? Well, he wasn't just being tempted by the devil. That was only a certain part of that. He was out there seeking God. He was out there developing a knowing, developing um, a connection with his father. I mean, think about that. You get all this power of the Holy Spirit, and immediately, instead of, Oh, let's go preach to in Jerusalem. Oh, let's go over here to Galilee. No. Where's he supposed to go? The wilderness. What? What? 
God, you call me to the ministry. Where do you want me to go? Taco Bell. What? What? God, you called me to be a doctor. Where am I supposed to go? This college over here that you don't want to go to. What? In Gunnison? I don't even know. I think you can be a doctor up there. They have a college up there. You want me to go to Gunnison? What? That's the wilderness, bro. Come on. And I think it is the wilderness. I'm not just saying that. But I'm just kidding. <laughs> um, but how many of us know to fulfill your calling, you have to go there? The way God wants you to fulfill your calling, if you have to go there. If you want all the grace to help you to, go, to do your calling, you need to go through the wilderness that he calls you to go through. The place maybe that you don't want to go, you need to go there. Maybe right now you're in a season of God's called me to do this and I just feel like I'm just coasting right now. I just feel like I'm not. Well, maybe God has you there, has you at that spot to learn to develop your dependence on him. Maybe he wants you to seek his voice for more than five minutes. You know, maybe he wants you to develop a relationship because that's what this whole thing's about. That's why you're here today right? We're here to develop our relationship with God and with our brothers and sisters. Amen? So those are the two main points that I wanted to get to through this passage here. Um, And the last point before we move on that I wanted to make was is to win the battles and tests in the wilderness, we must consistently and constantly be aware that we aren't alone. Even when we feel that we're alone, we're not alone. He's right there. God was right there with Jesus. The Holy Spirit was on him, in him. He just got the Holy Spirit. But that doesn't, that even in all the, the loneliness that you may be feeling, in all the um, doubt, and maybe in all the questions, just know that he's there, and he wants you to depend on him, and he wants you to seek him. Amen? Now, my next, like, number two is what not to do in the wilderness And we are going to go to Numbers, and we are going to talk about the Israelites for a second here. These poor guys, I feel so bad for them. But they kind of did it to themselves. So this is what not to do, and how many know we can learn from other people's mistakes so we don't make them, amen? So we're going to go to Numbers chapter 13. Again, I'll be reading out of the New Living Translation. We're going to read a few scriptures here. As I was trying to seek God on where to go, because there's so much content on the Israelites in the wilderness, I'm like, God, where do I go here? He's like, go to this spot here, because this is, this is kind of where it all boils down. I said, okay. So Numbers 13, verse 25, and we're going to read a little bit here. Um, how many of you guys there? Say there. there. Oh, wow, that was more than I thought. That's great. He said, after exploring the land for 40 days... Wow, 40 days. There's just something about 40 days. He said, The men returned to Moses, Aaron, and the whole community of Israel at Kadesh in the wilderness of Paran. Well, there's the wilderness. They reported to the whole community what they had seen and showed them the fruit they had taken from the land. This was their report to Moses. All right, this is what they got. We entered the land you sent us to explore, 
and is indeed a bountiful country, a land flowing with milk and honey, like God said. Here is the kind of fruit it produces. But the people living there are powerful. Their towns are large and fortified. We even saw giants there and descendants of Anak. The Amalekites lived in Negev, and the Hittites, Jubites, and Amamorites live in the hill country. I think I'm saying all those right. The Canaanites live along the coast of the Mediterranean Sea along the Jordan Valley. But Caleb, how many of you want to be like Caleb? But Caleb tried to quiet the people as they stood before Moses. He said, let's go at once and take our land. We certainly can conquer it. And what I've come to notice is the older I get, that there's a lot more people that are like the 11 other spies than there are like Caleb. Amen? There's people always going to be trying to tell you you shouldn't do that. There's people always trying to tell you that it's too big. You're from Grand Junction. What? Does anything good come out of Grand Junction? Yeah. We do. Amen? Come on. You're not from Denver. You're from Grand Junction. Woo! Well, Jesus was from Nazareth. Guess what? Nazareth was no, a no, no place. It was a no one. No one cared about Nazareth. The only reason we know about it is because Jesus came from there. He put it on the map. It's time we put Grand Junction on the map, amen? Woo! I'm getting excited here in my own way because I'm calm because <clears throat> I'm a phlegmatic, and phlegmatics don't get all crazy, but I might today. All right, let's continue. Numbers 31, uh, or excuse me, 1331, sorry, we're going to continue there. But the other men who had explored the land with him disagreed. We can't go up against them. They're stronger than we are. So they spread this bad report among the land, among the Israelites. So they got everybody crying now. It's not just 11 people crying. They got like a million people crying right now. This is a terrible situation. Terrible. Terrible. And God said they could conquer it. God said, I will be with you. These are the same people that had the pillar of fire and the cloud of smoke. They had manna rain from heaven. These are the same people that had all these miracles happen, and they're doing this. How many of us, God's done great things in our lives, and sometimes we still tend to complain? Oh, God did that two years ago, but he's not going to do it now. Why? Why? He loves you more than you love your kids. Why wouldn't he show himself up strong? Amen? Let's keep reading. Um, where am I at? 33? 32. So they spread this bad report among the, about the land among the Israelites. The land we traveled through and explored will devour anyone who... Man, where are they making this stuff up? Will devour anyone who goes to live there. All the people we saw were huge. Man, these people are bigger than the rock, man. It's like... They're like nine feet tall and on steroids. How are we going to take these guys out? There's no way. We only got people as tall as Tim. How are we going to take these people out? What? No way. No way. Love you, Tim. <laughs> and we saw giants there, the descendants of Anak, and next to them, 
we felt like grasshoppers. And that's what they thought too. Well, did you go and ask them? No. You were too chicken to even go into there in the first place. You don't know that. You're just assuming. But how many of us can make assumptions at times? That's not okay. We need to stick with what God has told us to do. No matter how big the calling is, no matter how big um, the realm of influence he wants you to, to go and to conquer, you have the ability to do it. Last time I checked, the Bible says, greater is he who's in me than he who's in the world. Amen? Greater is he who's in you, Matt, you, Terry, in you, Bethany, in you, Candace, in you, Greg, everybody in here who's born again has the Spirit of God inside of you. Isn't that awesome? That, that's, can, can we just think about that for a second? That's God himself inside of you. So why would you think you can't go and start up that business? Why would you think you can't go and travel the world preaching the gospel? Huh? Why can't you think you can't go up in the nursery and help out? Why can't you think you can play the guitar on the praise team? Huh? I didn't think I could do that. A, I was a chicken. I didn't like being in front of people. But apparently my, my classmates in school saw something in me that I didn't because they'd always make me talk for the project. We didn't, you know, they pair us off in groups of fours and we do this PowerPoint thing, yada, yada. So who wants to speak? Not me. DJ, I think you should speak. What? You're just so good in front of people. No, I'm not. Terrible. I say terrible things. I don't want to, I don't want to go up there. But how many know there's some Caleb's in our lives that can see the potential inside of you and you need to learn to listen to their voice as opposed to the 11 other spies, amen, who are telling you you can't do it, who are telling you you can't accomplish the dream that God has set in your heart. God gave you the desires of your heart. Amen? And sometimes we need to filter out our desires and focus on the desire that he placed because that's your God-given destiny. That's your God-given anointing. Amen? And only you can do it. Well, he's calling me to the field where there's a bunch of other accountants, a bunch of other realtors. Yeah, but there's only one person who can do it like you. There's only people of influence. There's only people around there that you can influence. Amen? Are you guys receiving this this morning? Good. Um, let's go to right over to the next page of Numbers 14, and we're going to read about what happened. Again, I could have read like this whole two, three chapters, but we'd be here a while, so I didn't want to do that. Um, but pretty much what happened between them saying that they couldn't beat anybody. And now, was God was pretty much saying, what's the point? I might as well take these people out right now. And if it wasn't for Moses, he would have. But Moses, out of nowhere, came up with this amazing rebuttal to God um, taking out the Israelites. Because God said, I will kill everybody here pretty much and make you my new uh, nation. And Moses, how many know the Bible says Moses was more humble than them all? He was more humble than them all. And he said, God, whoa, hold the brakes here. If you do this, 
everybody in the world's going to know that pretty much that you couldn't deliver your people into your promised land. Whoa. How many of us talk to God like that? Huh? That's Moses. And Moses, guess what? He was a phlegmatic. There's hope for phlegmatics. Amen? You know, I've, I've, it's a little side journey. Why I keep saying this is because I, I asked the Lord, I'm like, God, it seems like everybody who is a good leader is a caloric. And he's like, well, look at Moses. I said, what about Moses? He's like, he was so, hum- he was so humble, and this is where the phlegmatics get in trouble, is we get so humble we say we can't do it. Like Moses, oh, my speech is terrible. Oh, I can't do that, Lord. Man, he had this like 30-minute conversation with the Lord about how he couldn't do it. But the Lord said, you can do it. And he had to get Aaron, but um, he was a phlegmatic. He was humble. And we see it here before I'm about to read this. When he's talking to God, he said, don't do this, God. You don't want to do this. You're right. You're just to do it. But have a little more grace. Have a little more mercy. And God said, fine, fine. And in chapter 14, verse 20, he says, Then the Lord said, I will pardon them as you've requested. Woo! I mean, we need to pray more for people instead of criticizing them. So God can pardon them. Amen? You've been given mercy. You've been given grace. Huh? You want people to say you should go to hell and blah, 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 because you're a terrible person? You deserve everything that you've done? No. So why are we doing it to other people? Amen? Those who give grace will be shown grace. Those who give mercy will be given mercy. Amen? 21, but as surely as I live and as surely as the earth is filled with the earth's glory, not one of these people will ever enter the land. They have seen my glorious presence and the miraculous signs I performed in Egypt and in the wilderness, but again and again they have tested me by refusing to listen to my voice. Ooh. I mean, no, not listening to God is testing him. We don't want to be testing him. If God told you to do something, then you need to do it. If he told you to wait, then you need to wait. Amen? They will never see the land I swore to give to their ancestors. None of those who have treated me with contempt will ever see it, but my servant Caleb has a different attitude than those others have. He has remained loyal to me, so I will bring him into the land he explored. Amen. Say, I'm Caleb. His descendants will possess their full share of that land. And he said, this is sad. Now turn around and don't go toward the land where the Amalekites and the Canaanites lived. Tomorrow you must set out for the, re- set out for the wilderness in the direction of the Red Sea. You got to go back from where you just came from. Oh. And from that moment on, they spent the next 39 years in the wilderness. Did you know they were only supposed to be there one year? One year. That's it. And that, to them, that probably felt terrible. Now they got to spend 39 more years because of rebellion, because of consistently complaining. Isn't it amazing that the people who saw God move the greatest complained about him the most? How does that happen? How does that happen? They saw the Red Sea part. 
They saw, not magical, heavenly bread fall from heaven and quail. Because they complained that they weren't getting protein. Give us some meat. So he got, he gave them quail. It's like, we have to be careful because I think this is a correlation with us now. The more God moves in our lives, the more we're going to be tempted to want to complain about him. Man, that's not a good place to be. Because guess what? You start doing that, you're just in a constant cycle of staying in your wilderness. Staying in the place that God doesn't want you to be in, hmm? but that you put yourself there. God didn't do this to them. The Israelites did this to themselves. A lot of us have done this to ourselves. We're in this state maybe for I mean, I've only been around for 24 years. Maybe some of you have been feeling like you've been in your wilderness for 24 years, as long as I've been alive. But how many know it's not too late? It's not too late. We got the blood of Jesus, amen? We got mercy. We got grace, amen? So I got three things um, here of what not to do in the wilderness. Number one, do not constantly complain. Because the Israelites complained from the moment they left Egypt. I mean, they had just left Egypt and they were already complaining about going back to Egypt. How many of us know when we're out in the wilderness, our past will look better than our future? And that is far from the truth. Far from the truth. We live by faith and what? Not by sight. That was was not, not good, I'm sorry. We live by faith and not... Just because we can't see it doesn't mean that it's not going to manifest. We live by faith. We live by what God said, what he told us. And it may be a few years that you're supposed to be in that wilderness, but those are years that are valuable because he he wants you to get to know him. And I believe that's one of the biggest points that I wanted to make today is that He wants us to talk to him. Even when it feels like he's not answering. But he's right there. Right there in Hebrews, I believe, it says, he will never leave us nor forsake us. So just because you don't feel like he's there doesn't mean he's not there. Amen? Amen. Like Grover I'm sorry, I got to like talk about Grover at least once because everybody always asks me. It's weird. They're like, how's Grover? I'm like, fine. He finds new ways to irritate me every day. You know, this is this this little side story here. Um, But this was actually impressive. I was actually really Grover. That's awesome. So uh, poor Rachel hasn't been feeling the best, but we are believing for her healing since she's boring, bearing my child. So... Yeah. Woo! Isn't that exciting? Amen. So I've been having to do more things around the house, you know? I clean and clean and cook. Remember how, like, a few months ago I was like, yeah, I tried keto. Well, I'm far from keto right now. Far. Pizza. uh, Wendy's. Taco Bell. It's just not... It's not happening right now. And people always tell me, you're going to gain weight when she's pregnant. I said, no, don't speak that over me. I'm lean. I'm mean. 
right? No. But um, so she's been having food next to her, close, where Grover can get it. So she, for some reason, had a bag of tortillas on the table because we have this little table next to our couch. So while she was getting ready, guess who decides that he needs the tortillas? Grover. He dragged that package with the tortillas outside through his doggy door. I'm like, that is smart. Put it outside where nobody can see so that way when you get locked up while we're at work, you can eat them all. I'm like, wow, that's amazing. That's awesome. Rachel didn't think it was awesome, though. She went outside, beat him. It was terrible, you know. No, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. (laughs) All right, back on track here. Point number two. Do not fear what God says you can conquer. Huge point. Huge. And one thing I've learned about faith is that it doesn't mean that it's the absence of doubt or fear. It's choosing to overlook that. It's choosing not to yield to that. Amen? I think a lot of us, we're in this fighting mode in faith, like, oh my goodness, I can't believe I'm feeling, I can't believe I'm having these doubts of fear. I can't believe I'm having these doubts of doubts. I can't believe I'm questioning God right now in my mind. But instead of battling with all that, just say, ah, I rebuke you in Jesus' name. I believe this is what God said, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to follow it. One time the Lord told me, because I was battling all these thoughts, I just said, kept saying, I rebuke you, Satan, in Jesus' name. I rebuke you. Like, not good thoughts. And the Lord said, why don't you just ignore it? He said, you already rebuked it 30,000 times. It's like, you're talking to the devil right now more than you're talking to me. It's like, don't you have the faith that your words worked the first time? I said, oh, I see that. Okay, all right. Because what would happen is I'd keep thinking these thoughts and this feeling of condemnation would come in. And so to battle the feeling, I would just keep rebuking it. You know, it's like, no, you rebuked it the first time, the first 20,000 times. Believe it worked. Move on with your life. Because I bore those. Give them to me. Amen? Amen? Third point of what not to do in the wilderness is do not idolize the blessings or the tools God has given you to get through this time period. Did you guys catch that? I'm going to say it one more time. Do not idolize the blessings or the tools God has given you to get through this time period. That's what the Israelites did with the golden calf. They got all this gold. What do they do? They make a calf. Really? A calf? You couldn't come up with something better besides a calf? But how many of us use the blessings, use the um, equipping, and we idolize it? We make it into what we think our God should be. Oh. Uh Uh-oh. Uh-oh. They didn't like God, so let's build our own God. No. No. We're not like that, amen? We're not like that. So we never worship the blessings. We always worship the blesser. Money, blessings, tools, that's what they are. They're tools. They're to help us do our, uh, the Father's will 
in our life, what we're called to do. Amen? All right, I need to get going here. All right. Now, this was a sobering text in Deuteronomy 2, verse 7. Again, I'm going to read out of the New Living on this one. When I read this, it almost made me cry, actually, because it showed God's love for the Israelites. No matter what they said, no matter how dumb they were, look at what he said here in Deuteronomy chapter 2 and verse 7. Still hear pages turning, so I'll give you just a second. It says, um, For the Lord your God has blessed you in everything you have done. He has watched your every step through this great wilderness. During these 40 years, the Lord your God has been with you, and you have lacked nothing. Isn't that awesome? He didn't just leave them out there. He cared for them. Wow. Even though he knew they were just going to be in this constant circle of desert and mess-ups and more complaining. He said, I have been with you, and you have lacked nothing. How many know the Lord will let you go around and around and around and around till you die? But how many know just because he's blessing you in that, sustaining you, doesn't mean you're in the call of God for your life. Huh? How many of us think, oh, I have a nice house. I have a nice car. I have nice kids. I have a good job that I've had for a long time. But is that what God called you to do? Or are you still in the wilderness? But you've gotten so comfortable in it that you can't even identify it anymore. Oh, man. It's getting quiet here. I was quiet, too, when he was telling me this stuff. I have been analyzing everything in my life. Everything. Am I called to do what I'm doing right now? I think a lot of us need to ask, us, ask ourselves that question. Am I called to be doing what I'm doing right now? Because here's, here's a vital point. I'm kind of getting ahead of myself, but that's okay. I'll reiterate it later. We will not be judged Guess what? We're going to be judged. But we aren't going to be judged for the bad things we've done, um, you know, because the sin has been taken care of by the blood of Jesus. Amen? We will be judged according to what we were called to do. That's, and I have a video that I'm going to show. I don't want to put it up just yet. I want to get to one more scripture just to, just to point to that. In 2 Corinthians 5, 9 through 10, just to, just to show you here. And again, this will be at actually the New King James translation. In 2 Corinthians 5, 9 through 10. I know we're going to the New Testament now. It says, Therefore, we make it our aim, whether present or absent, to be well-pleasing to him. How many know that's our aim? I've determined that that's my aim. Amen? For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, that each one may receive the things done in the body 
according to what he has done, whether good or bad. And um, another translation for that word bad is worthless. Worthless. Things that don't matter. That you spent your whole life doing. Oh, man. Oh, man. And you might be asking, why are you preaching this? Why? Because time is short. I have sensed in my spirit that time is running out. And we need to be in the place we've, called, we've been called to be in. Not only in this church, but in our personal lives. We don't just need to do the job that will get us the most money. Amen? We need to do the things that our God is calling us to do. And in the timing, he's called us to do it in. Not our own timing. Guess what happens when, we're, when we rush things? We birth an Ishmael. And that Ishmael will be constantly, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Be an opponent to the real call of God on your life. That fake call, if you allow it, if you keep going towards it, it'll be in your life for the rest of it. For the rest of your life, you will constantly have an Ishmael, like Abraham. He rushed the call of God. He's like, hey, let's do this my way. What happens when you do things your way? You get an Ishmael. And guess what? We are still feeling the ramifications of that decision today. Constant war between the Jews and the Muslims. Because that's who birthed, that's where they came from was Ishmael, the Muslims. Your decisions today will affect your children. Will affect generations to come, however many generations are left. So it is time that we do what we are called to do. Step into the anointing, step into the place. Amen? Um, Here's something that I wanted to point out as well. The divine calling of the generation of the Israelites that wandered in the wilderness for 40 years was to take the promised land, but instead they died in the wilderness. Their calling was to take the land. So is it possible for you not to fulfill your calling? Absolutely. So let us not die in our wilderness. Let us not coast through life thinking we're okay, because that's the big temptation we have in America today, right? We have a good life. We're blessed. It's easy to be happy with what we have, but we need to keep pushing forward, amen? This church has a big calling. Take this valley. I was telling pastor, I said, you know, we will be responsible for that coming the judgment seat of Christ. What did we do with that? If you're called to this church, that's part of your calling. He's going to ask us, what did you do with it? You know, I see this church as a beacon of hope in this valley. When people think of Grand Junction, they don't think just of CMU. They don't think just of St. Mary's. They think of Faith Heights Church. I see buildings here. I see a campus I see a school, maybe. I see a corrections facility to help the broken with addictions like Canaan lands. That's what I see here. It may not look like it right now, but I believe that's the calling. I mean, this land we have is amazing. I don't know if you guys know. He says it all the time, but he's not just saying that because he bought the land, Pastor. 
saying that because it's the truth. A lot of people wanted this land. And when I want people to drive by, I want them to see our nice sign. But I want them to see a society here of hope. Wow. Isn't that good? And guess what? He wants you, if you're called here, to be a part of it. I always like hearing about the beginning of something, like the beginning of a great business, the beginning of Microsoft or Apple or... Um, right now I'm reading a book by Chip Gaines, you know, Fixer Upper, reading his book. It's about, you know, he talks about the dumb things he did to get to where he's at now. But their beginning, about how nobody thought this couple from Waco, Texas. Where's Waco, Texas? I went there. They got people like me and my wife to go there, to go see their stuff. We went to the... Their big silos and everything. It was awesome. They had Christian music playing the whole time. They had great food, food truck food. It was awesome. Not keto. (laughs) But guess what? They got us to spend our money to go there because the wife wanted to go there. No, I wanted to go there too. But I want people that when they think of Grand Junction... They have to make a stop at this one church because it's making a difference in its valley. We've heard about it. We've heard about this church. Come on, clap your hands. Come on, do it with all your heart. Don't do it half-heartedly. Come on. That's what I see. And it, maybe it hasn't felt like it for the last 30 years that that's the end game, if you want to say, because it's just us. 250 of us right here, approximately, plus the kids. Well, you may ask, well, how many people do you see coming here? Right now? At least every chair filled in this facility for two to three services. That's 1,000 to 1,500 people that I see coming here weekly. You may say, that's impossible. No, it's not. If you're in your calling and you're reaching out to people in your calling, where you're called to be at, guess what? There's an anointing there to draw people here because you're where you're supposed to be. You're doing what you're supposed to be out there and in here. Amen? Serving where you're supposed to be serving. Just serving is a great thing. Amen? Helping out. I believe we can do it together. They can't do it by themselves. They can't do it. Me, Rachel, and them and uh, Terry and uh, Rich and Candy and Greg, we all can't do it by ourselves, six people. The people that have been coming here for, since the beginning, they can't do it by themselves, Daniel and Joan. They need all of us. They need, like, Galio, new people. There's people out there called to this church, amen? And it's time for us to be in our calling where we're supposed to be to reach the people that we're called to reach. So I did want to show this video real quick before we end and then come back up and close and we'll have a good Sunday. Question. What are you called to do? Ask that question because 
we won't be judged according to what we did in life, but rather what we were called to do in life. Imagine with me standing before the throne of God and a scenario like this occurred. Evangelist Anderson, come forth and give an account of your stewardship on earth. E evangelist? evangelist Anderson, I, I'm not an evangelist. I, I, I'm an accountant. I, 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 I had an accounting firm. I had an evangelist Anderson. Where are the 347,566 souls I called you to impact in Asia, son? Where are they? I'm an, I'm an accountant. I, I had an accounting firm. I, I, I help churches. I help ministries with their, their, their finances. Son, where are the 347,566 souls in Asia I called you to impact? Son, where are they? Had you sought me, had you sought my face, I would have revealed this to you. Captain Jones, step forward and give an account of your stewardship. Uh, accountant Jones? No, I, I pastored for 35 years. I, I, I had a, a membership of 750 people. Accountant Jones, I called you to the marketplace. Had you done this, you would have significantly impacted two people. You and those two men would have helped churches with their finances, and those churches would have impacted 751,321 souls. If you would have sought me, I, I would have revealed this to you. Sister Smith, come forth and give an account of your stewardship. three children. I, I never preached to, to nations. I, I never even been on a, a missionary trip. I, I only tried my hardest to raise my children in your way. to what you did, you will be judged according to what you were called to do. 
Wow. <laughs> I saw that video this week. I was like on the verge of crying. I was like, Lord, help me. Help me. But think about it like this. Say I told you that tomorrow, Monday morning, until at Monday at 8 a.m., till Tuesday, till, t- till 8 a.m., in those 24 hours, whatever you do will impact how you spend the next 1,000 years. How would you live? What would you do? Right? That's how it is with us. We only have 100-ish years, 120, if that's what you're believing for. But divided by eternity? Isn't that insane? Like, your works matter. What you do with what God's called you to do what you do with what God's called you to do will impact your eternal future. Sobering thought, huh? Makes you want to really seek God, right? Well, I'm glad I'm not the only one now. (laughs) You all are with me, so why don't we stand up?